Welcome to the Inside Edge. Bob McKelligan and Jody Shelley with you. Just getting back from California. Our body clocks are a mess. But Jody, <laughs> here we are. We're back home. Yeah, this was uh, that was quite a trip, wasn't it? But um, you're right. It was a today was a long day of travel. We had to come back from San Jose after those three games, and you know, it, it's you wake up out there at four in the morning. It feels like every every night because you know the kids are going to school. The world is starting back here in Ohio, but it sure was nice to see the sun and um, get to relax for a couple of days. You know, it was one of those trips. So. Yes, the body clock is off, Bob, but I'll take it at this point. I'll take it. I will, too. It was, it's, it's not a complaint until Friday. Then maybe it'll be a complaint come <laughs> Friday. Um, let's talk about the games. It was a disappointing trip when it came to wins and losses because the Blue Jackets went 0-3. I think it's the first time since 2008 that happened, getting swept in California. That's the bad news. The good news is, honestly, it's not like you're in a playoff race. Uh, and the team was competitive throughout those games. As a matter of fact, we watched the same game three times yeah. in a row. Yeah fall behind, chase to get back, and lose by one. Yeah, it's exactly right. And, and you know, there's you're looking at teams that are de- desperate for different reasons. And, and, well, Anaheim, you know, I think that that was a game that the Blue Jackets, you know, I mean, you, you probably could have had that. Could have had either one of them. But you go back to the L.A. game, you know, they're, they're fighting for their playoff lives. I mean, that's a must win. The Blue Jackets could have put a major dent in their plan and gave uh, the Vegas Golden Knights a little encouragement. And, you know, it was a tight checking game and it was a great way to start the trip. But then you go on a back to back on less than 24 hours in Anaheim and you're thinking, OK, Anaheim's kind of this is going to be completely different and the Blue Jackets will be fine. But they lose Zach Wierenski in, in game one. Patrick Laine didn't play, um, you, you know, so early in game two, they lost uh, Wierenski, they lost Laine. So those are two big pieces out. Then you start shifting to opportunity. And, you know, what are you going to see from, you know, Beirut got another chance last night. Gaunt's got another chance. And these are important things and, and important moments for the organiza- organization. Carson Meyer gets more time. Dan Forth gets some power play time. He's on the penalty kill. He's taking face-offs. You know, Crowley's back from COVID. So, you know, guys get tested. And I thought the Jake Bean Boquist pair, they got tested in, in L.A. It didn't go well. They had Blankenberg jump ahead of them. And then you look at the last couple of games, and, and they, you know, especially the one in Anaheim, they elevated. So it's this time of year for competition, and, and it's going to go right down to the end. Unfortunately, they're undermanned when you have Jenner, your captain, and your, your leading uh, leader in a lot of categories, as far as I'm concerned. I know he's, he was leading at the time he left. Patrick Lani, your leading scorer, and Zachary Wierenski, your leading time on ice guy out. Um, it's, it, you could see it in that game in San Jose last night. You need the deal breaker. You need someone to stop the cycle. You need someone to score the goal. You need someone to carry the puck. You need someone to flex a little. And, you know, they didn't get it last night when they needed it until it was too late. Speaking of Nick Blankenberg, he's going to be our guest coming up in just a bit here. We'll talk with him about his transition from the NCAA to the NHL. When you're talking about needing that person, one name jumped to my mind, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Where has Oliver Bjorkstrand been uh, he's playing with Jack Roslevic and Ken Johnson the last couple of games with all this uh, mix-up with Line A out of the lineup right now. But for a guy that is such a good scorer, and we've seen be a consistent scorer, and we've seen him be hot and cold, but he's been cold for a long, long time here. You know, he, I, think he, I think he's a guy that needs that um, other star in the lineup to, to be a secondary player to get more, more space. And when you look at our lineup right now, 
the focus would be Bjorkstrand. They know he's a shooter. They know he's a guy who gets points. So he's going to play against top D, top opposition. And, you know, if you're the only guy on that line, I mean, he's not the only guy, but he's, you know, Roslovic's a player that um, is finding his way, then Puck's finding him. And then you've got a rookie on the other side. You know, that's uh, when you're seeing those top defenders, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes, you know. And he goes through moments in the seasons where, uh, he's working and getting chances. Like I think he had one last night where he just shot it over the net. You know, we've seen this before. Um, we've seen him, and you look at Roslovic, how that puck's following him. It seems like it's just not following Oliver right now. So that says, you know, he's got to find that 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 short game, that basic game, and, and get that going. But yeah, you know, this is this is what you signed up for when. when um, you're one of the top guys and things aren't going well, that's who we look to first. And he's definitely, it's a great name you bring up. Let's talk about Roslovic, though, and the way the puck is following him right now. What a season it's been for this guy. You know, first of all, he gets traded here last year from Winnipeg. The most goals he had scored in one season in the NHL in Winnipeg was 12. He equaled that last year. Now, with the two that he got last night, well, I want to say he's, he does have 19. I think two of the last four that he's gotten, he they hit him or they hit somebody else. <laughs> but that's what happens when you're hot, right? Uh, you know, last night he, he tries to center one and it goes off somebody It goes in the net. But um, he's got 19 goals now. But there were times this season where you were like, what happened to this guy from last year? Where's the guy that you got from Winnipeg? Yeah, I think that a lot of times you have to take a step back before you can go forward. And I think Jack took a step back with trying to really be that center ice because that's there's a void in Columbus for the center ice position and you know you start the season without Jenner in that spot they want him to be the winger uh, but that evaporated in minutes because he's such a trustworthy guy that can drive the system from the middle of the ice and he's done it well and Rosovic then had to go to the fourth line to the healthy scratch to figure out what was going on because you know to you have to be on top of what you're asked to do and what your role is and your skill has to come out within what the team asks of you and he was putting the skill outside of the team structure and the you know there's non-negotiables in the d zone that you know you're a centerman you got to be there and you got to make this play you've got this option or this one and that's it in the neutral zone you really only have one option if you're in the middle of the ice and that's you know if so and then in the four check that's where they let these skilled players play and for him, he was caught making those bad decisions at wrong times, critical times, and, and it was glaring. And credit him because that could really be deflating and hurt your, your confidence when you're trying to go up and all of a sudden you're building and then you do something where it's glaring and you know it costs a goal and maybe a game and now you're, you take, have to take two steps down the rung. And, but he stayed with it. He worked at it. He's worked at everything. He studied a lot of centermen. Uh, he's worked on a lot of tape. He's worked on after practice with uh, taking face-offs, but also positionally. He looks way more comfortable in the defensive zone, and I think the penalty killing has helped him immensely. And it only came out of necessity, right, because Texier was driving it. He was doing a great job for the Blue Jackets. Uh, he got injured. And then you look at some other injuries, and you get Jack in there, and, boy, it's really helped his confidence in the D zone. So good for him. Uh, and now... And this is a long answer, but anyways. And now that puck is following him, Bob. Yeah, and that's that's because he's just in the he's he's not looking for it. He's working within his game, and that's what happens when you're just taking care of what's asked of you. Tell me about that penalty kill, and why does that help to straighten guys out so much? Is it just because it's a 
it's a simple, straightforward job. There, I mean, I don't want to say there's not a lot of thinking to it. Like it's, you know, there is thinking, but the thinking is get the puck, get it out of the zone. It is the most defined role for each player on the ice in in hockey, besides a set faceoff. You know, a set faceoff is, you know, if I win it here, you're going to move there and I'm going to get you the puck, but you're going to fake a shot and the shot's going to come from the back door. In penalty kill, the two forwards have very defined roles. If, if, if it's you and I going out to the puck and we're facing the blue line, only one of us is going to go. You, what you do, and there's, two, there's a few different ways to do it, but the first guy's going to go and push which way the puck is going to go and try to squeeze that guy down the wall, the defenseman. And then the other guy reads off of him. And the way I describe it or the way it was described to me when I was playing you know, youth hockey was pretend you got a two-by-four between you and I, and it's about 16 feet apart. And as you move, I move. So, and, and, you know, there's things that as you react to situations within your forcing situations, but it's not chaos. You know, it's not waiting. If a puck bounces, you're going. You're going right away, and we're all going. And that's where it's kind of fun to be a penalty killer because you know right away that, first of all, you're defending. You're waiting for the other team to, to mess up. You also want to, to give them options but take them away. And you play the odds. It's, um, so, so for me, the structure of it, the, the confidence you get in the D zone, uh, the confidence you get from shutting down uh, the opposition, even in practice, uh, it really just gives you a boost on how to keep things simple and, and defined in that area. And as you said, a couple of guys this year found their game yeah. while they were penalty killing. Well, the other thing is with Corrali, and it's because he's easy to read off. If you and I are on a line and I look at you and I'm thinking, are you going to get the puck or am I going or are you going? Well, with Sean, it's like, it's like Boone. You know what? He's going, and if it bounces to the right, I'll get it. You know, and it, you just – that's the simplicity of the game makes it uh, – it helped Texier, it's helped Robinson, it helps anyone that goes down there because you can read off of them. And again, X Factor, Sean Corrali. We've talked about him all year. Everybody he plays with, everybody that watches him, everybody that studies him, they get better on the ice. So no surprise there. All right, coming up next, we're going to hear from Nick Blankenberg. Just about a week and a half ago, he was playing for Michigan in the NCAA. He had no NHL deal. Now here he is, and he's getting top four minutes on defense in the National Hockey League. He'll join us as we continue with the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and Nick Blankenberg is our guest right now. Hey, you've been in the NHL for a little over a week. Are you totally accustomed to what's going on now? Uh, I wouldn't say not. Not just yet. Uh, still got the kind of pregame jitters, first couple shifts, still still pretty nervous. And then once you kind of get going and get comfortable throughout a game, you feel a lot better. So, You know, they say in life, timing is everything. What a time to show up right before uh, – the team gets to take the trip to California, and you get to spend some time playing on the West Coast. Uh, it's not bad, huh? Yeah, Kent and I are uh, definitely pretty lucky to, to come in at this time. And, um, yeah, going L.A. to Anaheim to San Jose. I've never been to California, so knock out three main cities in, in about a week. So it's been a lot of fun. Has it been a whirlwind for you, or have things started to settle down in your life yet? Uh, I think it's still a little hectic, like still trying to adjust to a, to a new schedule, a new team. Obviously, you're playing in – the best league in the world, so there's going to be adjustments. So um, just trying to stay composed and, and just stay true to who I am. But, um, I mean, it's been a ton of fun, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So. I'll tell you one adjustment you're making very easily, getting more ice time in games. Uh, you know, we're seeing that in a couple of games that you've played so far here. Um, 
you know, where you start isn't necessarily where you finish when it comes to minutes here. And uh, how happy are you with yourself and the way that you're playing and the fact that you're you're making the adjustment? It's not an easy adjustment to make from the NCAA to the NHL. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the biggest thing for me has just been, I mean, I keep saying it, just trying to play simple and just trying to play hard and um, playing simple in the D zone and, and just getting pucks out and um, just giving giving the forwards a chance to play. Uh, offense has been kind of what I've been trying to do and, and let them do their thing. So uh, just try and continue to gain confidence throughout each game and, and just continue to make simple plays and, and work hard. So I'm wondering, where do you get your confidence from? Where do you get your strength? Uh, that's a hard question. I don't know. I think just through work ethic and, and what you're doing each and every single day and, and just the way I prepare myself, not only physically, uh, but mentally too, and, and just the way I think I carry myself at the rink and um, I think that just gives me just uh, I think just a piece just to be able to go out there and, and just play and know that everything else is is taken care of and, and I can just go out and play and, and just play as hard as I can. Have you got any advice from anyone that's really helped you to start this NHL journey? I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people and a lot of guys on the team who have um, and to them it might seem like just the smallest little thing but to me it, it means the world whether if that's just a tap on a tap on the back saying good player um just telling me that I'm good and, and just the biggest thing guys have just said just play your game and, and do your thing and um I feel like that's kind of what I've tried to do so far and um having a blast doing it so isn't that amazing you think back to the unknowns nine eight days ago and now there seems to be another world created for you that you've created yourself but you you're right in with this team now is, is are you do you smile and think about how this has been so such a nice transition yeah I mean I'm so thankful just for the opportunity and um, each and every single day just count my blessings I mean I'm playing in the National Hockey League which for any kid is a dream come true so I don't think I'd want to be doing anything else in the entire world so um, I'm just I'm really just trying to soak it in as much as I can right now I know um, back at Michigan you're kind of always thinking about what's ahead or, or what's next and it's it's hard not to it's it's human nature um, so I, that's a little regret that I had back at Michigan was not just trying to live in the moment. So I'm going to definitely not make that same mistake again here and, and just trying to enjoy it. You were the captain of Michigan, and that team was loaded with a lot of first-round picks, first you know draft picks. And w- why were you the captain? I think just the way I carry myself around the rink and, and the way I, I treat the guys. And um, each and every single guy meant, meant the same to me, whether if you're first overall or, or whether you were scratched every single night. Um, and that was the biggest thing, just priding myself in the relationships that I had with the guys and, and being honest and just staying true to who I am as a person and, and, um, and my character. And, um, and, yeah, I think guys respected that and guys could see that through me. And then just the work ethic on the ice, I think guys, guys followed, followed that. And, um, yeah, so very – it's crazy talking about Michigan. It's just I'm so thankful for, for my time there and I just – I can't stop thinking about it. It didn't just, come so easy. Huh? It no. didn't come easy. I wouldn't so trade it for the world, though. Your first year, you you had to walk. You went to, and tried out. You got invited and tried out, and basically just like a walk on. Walk on. on no one team. knew who you were. I. They knew who I was. I think they'd say, "Hey, like you'll get an opportunity," and then just basically, you can't really guarantee anything, no matter or at junior level, college level, pro level. So, basically, just had. To, I was lucky enough to get into the first game and. Then basically I played every single game since – I mean, I think I was scratched one game in my whole college career, and it was like the third game my freshman year. 
And you you had to pay for your your first three years of, of college. So yeah. you had to work. Did you work in the off season? Uh yeah, I worked like the Michigan hockey camps during the off season, which helped out with food and, and groceries and gas, but it wasn't much. So. And yeah. then they gave you a place to live. Uh well, you have to pay for your housing. Oh, you do. Okay, yeah. so then and then your last year you get a scholarship. Yeah. Did they let you know in a special way? I've seen sometimes other teams. Uh, other no, not really. Are. I mean, it wasn't. It was like, it's. It was only like a thirty, forty percent scholarship still, my senior year. So I think that's like a misconception. Oh, it is. Okay. So yeah, you still which I think everybody thought it was like a big, like full scholarship, and I was just like, man, like obviously I wasn't going to transfer out of Michigan, being the cat like Michigan. My heart was set at Michigan just to go get, just to go get like a scholarship. So I wanted to be the captain and. I just said, hey, man, like, obviously a full scholarship would be nice, but, like, I just want something. Like, I need, I need something just to help me out a little bit. So they were able to make up, like, 30 or 40%, um, which wasn't great, but it was still something, so I'm not not complaining about that. And, Nick, I want to ask you on this trip, you guys did a rookie dinner. Did you pay dinner or are you going to wait? I'm going to wait. Yeah, that's an option, Bob. Did you know that? No. You, you know, I mean, he played one game before rookie dinner, I yeah, think. one game. You can either pay – or you can wait until the next year, which, you know, it could be a gamble because you could have more guys that are paying or less. But I'll take that chance. <laughs> Let's go back basically a year ago. You had an offer from an NHL team and you decided, nope, I'm not going to take that offer. I'm going to go back to Michigan. Was there any hesitation at all in your mind at that time, wondering if you were making the right decision? Uh, no, not really. I felt pretty, pretty at peace with it. And um, for me, I, I didn't think there was really that that wrong of a, de- a decision for me. I think they're both good options, but um, I mean, I've always I kind of just look back at my hockey career and where I've gotten and or how I've gotten here, and I feel like I've always bet on myself and everything that I've done, whether if that's playing a year of midget major, or switching to D, and people saying, "Oh, he's playing in Alberta. Like, what's he doing out there? No way!" And then go to Michigan, oh, walk on, and like. I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, my luck doesn't keep doesn't run out. But because uh, it seems like it's, I've always I've always won when I'm betting betting on myself. So, um, but it's just uh, it's been a crazy journey, and uh, I tell everyone it's everyone's got their own paths, and I think that's my path is kind of how it's molded me into the person, and not only hockey player, hockey's not here forever, but mo- most importantly, the person that I am and and the character that I've been able to build throughout those those struggles and those years. What about back to the time when you were, well, when you were a kid and you're playing and, and the guys that you're playing with start to get opportunities to go play with uh, bigger teams, better teams, junior teams, whatever it is, and you weren't getting those opportunities. At some point in time, did you ever say, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? Why, why not me? Why them and why not me? Obviously, you've been able to just power through it and get to where you are today, but... Was there ever those kind of questions in your mind? Yeah, I think there's all there's always going to be doubts, um, and there was there was for me at times. But the good thing for me was playing high school hockey for three years. I I went into it with just an attitude that I'm just I'm just not really going to worry about anything about hockey. I'm just going to just have fun and enjoy being able to play high school hockey in front of my family, student like the student section, the friends, and everything like that. And then um, after I graduated was kind of when that those doubts kind of came in a little bit and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's trying to compare yourself to other people. And, um, I think that was a big part of my journey was getting through that and just understanding that everyone's got their own path. And, 
Um, I know I keep saying it, but it's, I mean, it's true. So I was able to believe it and, and believe in myself and kind of get over that hump and um, just kind of reteach myself almost my way of thinking and how I think about myself and who I am as a hockey player and who I, who I am as a person too. What I want to know, I have one more question for you. What's the best part about the NHL? Um, I mean, I'm never hungry, which is good. <laughs> nice place, staying on the road, nice, really nice hotel. Um, I mean, you get anything you really need equipment. I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. So it's uh, obviously at fan atmospheres, playing in L.A. on a Saturday night. It's all, it's all really cool, it's, so it's all special to me. Nick, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Great to have you here yep. and continued uh, success in what you got going on right yep. now. Thanks, guys. That is one of the newest Blue Jackets, Nick Blankenberg, defenseman, coming out of Michigan of the NCAA and stepping right into the NHL. We'll have more of the Inside Edge as we continue right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We just talked with uh, Nick Blankenberg of the Blue Jackets, who is uh, one of two former Michigan Wolverines that is uh, in here and has been in the NHL for about 10 days now. And, and Jody, when you just listen to him and the way that he talks and how he talks with conviction, you can see how, even though he's an undersized player, he's made it to the NHL. Yeah, and he's he speaks with such um, – he's got confidence. He's got conviction. He understands himself. Uh, he appreciates everything that he's a part of. Uh, you can tell in our interview, you can hear him smile in that interview. And, and I think that uh, – you know, just to catch up with him, and everyone's got a unique story, but the way he earned his way on to Michigan, became the captain, uh, wasn't drafted, and then is here and earning extra ice time. And I mean, for him to get those top four minutes in the second game that he played in the National Hockey League, it's so impressive. And, you know, it, it's a great message to the rest of the team that if you're going to work hard and keep it simple and, and be decisive in, within the game, you're going to get more time. And, and that's exactly what he did. Not only that, but, I mean, look at the the situation. Kent Johnson comes in here, and he's a fifth overall pick. And he knows that uh, his time is coming here, even if it doesn't jump out right away with what he does on the ice right now. But for Nick, completely different situation where, you know, you're you're on borrowed time. This is how many games you have to try to make some kind of a an impression. Uh, and that's exactly what he is doing. But from – you know, a player's standpoint, you've been in these these situations before where you go into a camp on a tryout or something like that. Uh, it can be nerve-wracking if you don't approach it the right way, right? Yeah, and that's what's so impressive is how grounded he is and how, you know, he talked a lot about betting on himself. And, and for a young guy who's 23 years old, uh, to have that kind of mindset, that's and we talk about it every time, a lot of times on the show, Bob, the simple focus. And, you know, as a pro athlete or I don't care what you're trying to attack, you know, you want to get the whole thing done right away. You want to get to the NHL. You want to, you know, you want to be a star. You want to, but you, the quicker you can realize that if you focus on the day and, and figure out your role as quick as you can, those are the players that have a little success early. They find their way in. And then if they can keep that focus in that kind of sense, they stay there longer. You know, that's kind of a, it's a unique perspective and a, a unique focus to have. So good on him to have it this early in his career and a nice find by the Blue Jackets. Yeah, and not the only guy that's looking at these last uh, five games as, you know, an opportunity. There are still guys, there are guys that have been here most of the year, maybe all of the year, and they're still looking at these last five games as, boy, this, I, I've got to bring it. I've got to, I've got to leave here with them thinking the best that they can of me. Well, yeah, there's a couple things there because, 
you want to be a part of the the solution next year. You want to prove to them that you are part of the equation. You know, this team is going to look a lot different last or next year than it was to start last year's training camp. We know that for sure. Um, this team has said publicly they will get better. So that means there's more people coming in. So does that mean that there's two more forwards and you're one of those forwards that has a chance right now? Uh, and also, you want to end the year with confidence. There's some players on the team right now that are, you know, not really finding their way. They've been a little bit of a struggle. And I think it's very important to hit the offseason feeling the confidence. I look at that Carey Price situation in, in Montreal. He missed the entire year. You know, he took the team to the Stanley Cup playoffs. He was absent from the team. And then he missed the entire year until last week. And there was comments like, you know, oh, why would he do that? Why would why would why wouldn't you wait till next year? Well, mentally and physically, and as an athlete who's always, you know, trying to be the best and pushing and trying to stay on top, and you need that feeling of oh, I can do this. Oh yeah, this is what it's like. Oh yeah, I'm I'm comfortable and confident with this vision of myself heading into a long off season, a long training camp, and then a whole other regular season to try to get back to the playoffs. So. You know, those little achievements and every, you know, like that, that talk of, oh, what's, you know, there's nothing to play for. There is so much to play for right now for every single guy on this Blue Jackets team. And, and how, you can look at it either way you want, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, you want to hit the offseason feeling so good about yourself, about what you've, how you've started, how you handled and how you ended the, the season. And that's a great point you make about this team being different. Uh, I talked to Brad Larson a couple of games ago, and I was talking about being on this long road trip at the end of the year where it's not like in the playoffs. You and I have talked to in the past about that last playoff game. Once it's over, you go from 100 to zero. Like, your, your life is flying. You're lost. Yeah, there's nothing going <laughs> on, right? It's different here. There's a finality coming up. Uh, once the regular season schedule's over, this is over. And as Brad Larson said, I've told uh, my players – to enjoy it because this team is not going to be the same next year. You know, sometimes that's only one guy that changes. Sometimes it's multiple guys to change. You know, you've been there. You've been through that as a teammate, whether you've been in the playoffs or you're not in the playoffs. You know um, that it is going to be different. So these, these we're talking about uh, taking the the challenges for your job and embracing that, but just the the personal thing, just to enjoy your friends for a couple more days. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's – you look at Cole Sillinger, what a year he's had. And, you know, he's approached it every every segment, every day at a time. His goal was to have a good time in Traverse City and prove himself. Well, reports were he was the best player up there. And then his goal was to make the team. He did that. And then his goal was – uh, to play 10 games. and, and when you look game nine, yeah, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> Two and, goals in Colorado in game nine. And when you look back at all that, then, you know, he didn't want to go to World Juniors. He wanted to earn the right to be a National Hockey League, which he was. Um, you know, those are all things that uh, you set those goals, you accomplish them. Now we're, we're getting to the end of the season. You know, you can see him interact with his teammates. He's a big part of this, and he knows it, but he also feels so great about it because he earned it. And I, and I look at guys on the fourth line. I look at Gaunce, who is out now. He's you know he's got a chance to play the past couple of games. You know you want to you want to see him play. That I mean, there's an element of his game which he has to put it all on the table. That's the other end of the spectrum. A guy who has been out of the league for a couple of years went to Sweden last year instead of going to the American Hockey League, so he could play more. And didn't want to be in a bubble, so he comes in and makes the team. But now this is you, you know. You think about you can't think about the end of the year. You got to think about every game as an audition. So, 
you know, those are and, and he's seen he's seen um, you know Danforth come in and do exactly what he tried to do, and and now he's Danforth has got himself a two-year contract. So those are things that keep you up at night if you're not in the lineup. And when you're in, you got to earn those you know earn those that respect and kind of that trust and that comfort of the coach. And to take it back to where we started in this segment when we talked to Nick Blankenberg, I think one of the the best things that he said is, you know, when you asked him about being here and he said when he was at Michigan, he was always looking ahead to what was next and he didn't always embrace the moment, didn't always embrace the entire experience that he was going through. And when he was saying that, I was thinking the same thing. I I tell people this all the time, you know, for guys like you and I, you start uh, professionally, East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League. You're there, and you're always saying, when's my chance to move up? Right. When's, when's the opportunity coming? Is the opportunity ever coming? And then once the opportunity does come, you look back and you say, you know what, those are some of the best times of your life. So I, I'm glad that he had that whole uh, approach to what he's doing here. Yeah, it's the best league in the world, but he realizes that uh, you, know, you do have to take this every day. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> mean. We still talk about that as broadcasters. I mean, you know, it's a long season and there's a grind to everything that you do. I don't care what you're doing. And there's moments where you have to stand back and, and just realize, hey, this is this is one of the best jobs in the world, covering the best league in the world and, and the perks that come with it and the travel and the people are the cherry on top. So, yeah, when you see the, it through our eyes, you know, it's one thing. But but when you see it through these young kids' eyes who are stepping into it, I mean, you can't imagine how they feel on the inside and how excited and overwhelmed and to meet some of the stars that were stars six months ago in another universe and interacting and passing the puck with them. It's like it's something you want all your friends and family to be next to you riding along. You know, it's that type of journey. So what you're saying is uh, even at the times you get a, a bad hotel room or if the public <laughs> relations director doesn't get you the interview that you want, you still have to uh, just embrace it. Yes, you can't. You, you, Bob, you, sometimes you just got to realize and take a real long look around and, be, and smile and say, you know what, this isn't so bad. Right, yeah, <laughs> long look in the mirror. I yeah. need to do that quite, quite often, as a matter of fact. Uh, before we wrap this one up, uh, you mentioned Justin Danforth uh, in particular. We've watched this guy grow throughout the year, 28-year-old rookie. Um, how do you like his game here at the end? And this is after he's got a guarantee of a two-year contract that came a couple of weeks ago. You know he's interesting because they, you know he's he's a winger. Then when they needed him uh, with with injuries, they put him at center, and he did a good job there. And he's getting uh, you know time. You've seen him on take faceoffs on the power play when they or or even if it's uh, you know uh, goaltender out, he's a guy that's been called upon on the right center dot. So he's he, they're challenging him. They like what he brings. They like his um, kind of no nonsense attitude where it is you know he you, you know what he is, and I think that. That's important. I think as a fan, when we watch him, we know what he is. He's a guy who is noticeable almost every shift. And I think that's a key. That's, you know, a guy who comes here this year, starts the year as a 28-year-old rookie, first-year NHL player. And, you know, you can see that the intensity of every shift, the meaning of every day, had so high value, and it still does. And and you watch after he signs those contracts and that. And I think he's great because he gets challenged, he accepts a challenge and he plays a certain role and there's no quicker way to earn the respect of your teammates and your coach and your fans than when you are noticeable every shift you show up and just do your job and and then you do whatever's asked of you and that's uh that's exactly what he is absolutely all right we'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of the inside edge right after this on 97.1 the fan welcome back to the inside edge here on 97.1 the fan 
playoffs are around the corner. There are some teams that still are wondering, are they in or are they out? In the Eastern Conference, it's pretty much been decided for a long time who the eight teams were going to be that would get in. Now, we're just coming off that trip out west. Jody talked in the first segment of the show about how important that win in Los Angeles was for the Kings. Boy, what's going on with the Kings? They got a huge gift the other night when the New Jersey Devils beat the Vegas Golden Knights. And then the Kings go on to win. And I know that you have been analyzing schedules <laughs> the last couple of days. How do you see that thing shaking out in the West? I, I, you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think the Golden Knights are going to get in. They're five back now. Um, and, and they're tied with the Vancouver Canucks who have crept up there, five back. And Vegas has five games left. Tonight it's Washington, then San Jose, Dallas, who they're chasing, Chicago, and St. Louis. So they got to win out because you know that the opposition in Vancouver, well, Vancouver to me is, they're, they're, they lost a big point last night. They, they ended up giving uh, a point and losing in, in overtime away and you know that's that's a big point that's that could hurt them they could have been right up there just ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights it would have been four or yeah three points back of a wild card which is Dallas who they're chasing Um, but then also five back of LA who's that number three spot so both of these teams still have hope and then Dallas to me is the most fascinating one because you know we talk about um, what they have to do, they they are going to face the Vegas Golden Knights once. That's going to be a big game. That's going to be a massive game. That's next week. Good job by the schedule makers there, of course. They always seem to get that done, right? Seem to get that, that rivalry in the mix there. But the Dallas Stars, to me, they had games in hand. Um, they they still do, but it's it's starting to run out for them. If you look at their schedule... I don't know. They got well. They they're going to end with Anaheim, Arizona, throw out the Vegas game because we know that's a head-to-head. Seattle and Calgary. I think they're going to get in. So they're in right now in the wild card position. That's not good for Vancouver. That means they'd have to be chasing. Um, they'd have to look up a little further to the LA Kings, and I think the LA Kings are, are nestled in there, even though they've played two more games in Dallas and one more game than Vegas and Vancouver. So. A lot to look at, Bob. When you look at numbers, you kind of get all confused. I just think that the West is set. Give me, give me the L.A. schedule, though. Okay, LA's, That's where they have the advantage, isn't it? Yeah, L.A.'s got a lighter schedule, but they only have four games left. You've got to remember that. So they have so, – so Dallas is still looking up and trying to get that get – in, get in there. Of course, they have uh, Anaheim, who they beat last night. Again, but they got Chicago first. That's tomorrow night. Then they have Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah, that that is the lightest schedule. So they're chasing down Dallas. I mean, that's really what you're looking at in the West. Um, it's been fascinating to see everything shake out and and some of the top teams, Colorado and Calgary, just going on a tear. The other team is Nashville. Nashville's at 93, and can they hold on? I mean, they've been a team all year that I think has been surprising. But when they win games, you're like, wow, yeah, Saros has been really, really good. Janot, their young player, has played well. Yossi's the best D-man in the league. But it's the cast of characters in between. It's Duchesne and Johansson that are they going to do the heavy lifting here down the stretch to make sure they get in. So, you know, the odds aren't looking good for Vegas and Vancouver, but, boy, they should want to make it interesting. Let's talk about Vegas because they have never not been in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, we all know that they went to the Stanley Cup final in their first year, but – that here's what's even more fascinating to me about that franchise 
is they obviously they expected to be there. I mean, they went out and they got Jack Eichel. They've overloaded their payroll. Uh, they expect to be there. And if they're not there, it's almost like, um, well, I guess it's typical Vegas because they've already spent the money that they have yet to earn. <laughs> they're be- they've bet on themselves, right. Bob. So what you're saying is they, they went out and cashed everything in and bet on themselves, but they didn't uh, take into factor injuries. Uh, the goaltending situation, I don't understand the Mark andre, andre Fleury uh, moving along. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, Robin Leonard is a capable goalie, but he seems like he needs a Mark andre Fleury with him. A good person, uh, a leader, and a great goaltender, and a mentor. Uh, I feel like that whole locker room needs that in Vegas. Uh, then you bring in different pieces. Jack Eichel, I, I heard a great stat the other day that um, the Buffalo Sabres have the same record as the Vegas Golden Knights since the Eichel trade. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Buffalo had a weight lifted off of them once that happened, yeah. right? I mean, now they're playing as a well, team. They, now they know who they are and who's on their team. They got two great pieces, yeah. and right. they got Tuck and a prospect and a couple draft picks. And Tuck is happy to be home in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So, what a move by Kevin Adams. Get people who want to be there, first of all, a power forward, and hand the team away from a superstar. So, yeah, to me, Vegas is uh, – I'll give them a pass this year. I don't think they need to pop up and start firing firing people and dumping people. You know, they have a good team, but then you look at Pacioretty. Is he get, he's, you know, he's had some big injuries. How is he going to do? Carlson, is he now right where he should be? I think he's under 20 goals now in this season, right around there. Uh, William Carlson, our old buddy. You remember he had 40-something his first year he got out of Columbus, and we were everyone was like, well, what is happening? But I think it's, it's been a strange year with a condensed schedule, injuries, sickness. Uh, I think you've got to give teams like this a pass uh, and see what happens to first happen ne- next year. It is so hard to win back-to-back in the salary cap era. The Tampa Bay Lightning have done it. They're there right now. They're, they're fighting for a spot. They are on the verge of dropping into the wild card right now. They've been struggling as of late, but – is that a red flag for them, or would you expect as soon as the playoffs start, they're going to be the same old Tampa Bay Lightning? Not that they're going to win the whole thing, but that they're going to be competitive and play hard. You know what? It's interesting because Vasilevsky carries a lot of, lot of weight down there, and he's played a lot of hockey in a short period of time. And they won um, two Stanley Cups in, in less than a year. I mean, it, it really was a condensed schedule. Now they're going for three, and, you know, you can only push so far as a coach. They know they're going to be in the playoffs, so that urgency is not in what they're doing right now. So if they do fall back, I don't, you know, are they confident enough? To me, are they confident enough to take the foot off the gas for a week to ten days, let the season wind down, get everyone healthy and energized and excited to go back at it, and then take a run. To me, these games at down the stretch and, and finding your game, it's important, but it's also important in game 50 to 65 to have to know what you are. And I think they know what they are. I mean, I say that, but I think about some of the pieces they've put in there. You know, they brought in Nick Paul. They, they're trying to create the, that identity line on that third line again. Uh, it's not what it was. But, you know, there's still, you know, to me, the big boys got to rest and these other guys got to figure out the role and then they get ready for a run. But I don't know if I'd play Vassy much more down the stretch because you're going to need him and you're going to have to ride him. Another fascinating race to watch there is Pittsburgh clinging to that third spot in the Metropolitan Division. Washington trying to elevate at the end because, let's be honest, whoever winds up in that second wild card spot 
you get the Florida Panthers <laughs> and uh, the way they're playing. And again, I, I still I'll be shocked if it translates to the playoffs. But the more I watch them play, the more I wonder if it will translate to the playoffs. I think it has to. I think that's what they are. I think they're confident, high octane. Um, they're a little bit all over the place, and that's how that's how they like it. And they they're going to say, "You want to score six? We'll score seven. And they do it early and late in games. And they're having a good time doing it. So I think it'll translate. I mean, there are teams that are going to try to lock them down, but you can all, to me, they're so they're so good. I mean, Giroux's their second line was either third line center or winger. I mean, he's he's racking up points. He's got to be having the best time of his life. Uh, because he's got a real chance here. So, yeah, you know, Pittsburgh, yeah, I mean, to me they're still – to me they don't have it. Uh, and, and with Tristan Jari's yeah, injury situation. They don't have it. And, and Pittsburgh – or uh, Washington, you know, they're finding something at the right time. You know, they're, they're surging a little bit. It was all about Ovechkin the first part of the year. And then it turned to playoffs, and then they lost a little bit. Then they got going again. And, you know, when they won the Cup, remember, it wasn't about Ovechkin. It was about the team. So – uh, their goaltending situation seems good. That seems a little bit better. So uh, that's, I mean, we talk about it. It's it's the key. It's the key, the goaltender. So Unless you're Florida. They Unless, found a way to beat it. Yeah, but they're <laughs> <laughs> if you can put up a dozen, fine. Right, exactly. Uh, it will be fascinating to watch here. The Blue Jackets have just three home games left at Nationwide Arena. The first of those is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. The Ottawa Senators are in town. They'll be home on Sunday at 1 o'clock as Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers come to town. So you're still going to get to see some great hockey at Nationwide Arena a couple more times during this regular season. Tomorrow night's game, 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on the fan and on the TV side on Bally Sports Ohio. We'd like to thank Nick Blankenberg for being our guest today. That'll do it for this edition of the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.